APU. American Public University is proud to present Exploring STEM. Hello, my name is Dr. Bjorn Mercer, and today we're talking to Stacey Malinowski, Assistant Dean in the School of Health Sciences. And today we're talking about health literacy. Welcome, Stacey. Hi, thanks for having me today. Excellent. And health literacy, super important. One's health is really one of the most important things we do throughout our lives. And it's amazing how often people and we get it wrong. It's one of those realities. What is health literacy and why does it matter? That's a great question. I think a lot of people don't understand that health literacy is even a thing. So what health literacy is, is it refers to the degree in which any person has not only the ability to find health information, because it's everywhere, right, but to really understand it, to use it, to make good decisions from it, to carry it out in their everyday lives, and not only for themselves, but for their family members and other people they may be providing care to. And why it's important is because this health literacy helps us make a really well-informed decision about our health care. Because if we don't, it has a lot of adverse effects. So poor health outcomes can come for people who have low health literacy. Research shows us poor health outcomes. These folks tend to misuse medications, not on purpose, just accidentally because they don't understand. They are less likely to be compliant with all aspects of their treatment given to them by their healthcare providers. And it costs us a lot of money. And one number I read said that low health literacy actually costs the United States over a trillion dollars a year, inappropriate medications, missed opportunities for enhanced care. And with all of the health information that's out there today, it is actually harder and harder to be health literate because it's really hard to sift through all those conflicting messages and actually figure out what's fact and what's gimmick. And I'm glad you brought that up because health literacy has so many aspects to it. So just like you said, besides medications or even how much you eat and what your diet is that relates to your overall health literacy. If you have like something wrong with you, should you automatically go to Google and type it in? That's a very dangerous thing to do. It is. So just as an example, what can happen if you're trying to self-diagnose? See memes about it. You go to WebMD and no matter what you put in, the ultimate outcome is death because there's so many different diseases. There's so many diseases that on the outside can look like each other. And there's so many things that really can be very serious that have very mild symptoms. And so you you could do one of two things, read about something, be like, oh, you know, I just pulled a muscle, when in reality, it's actually very serious and you're about to have a heart attack, or you have this nagging headache and you automatically assume you have a brain tumor when really maybe you need glasses and your eyes are straining from too much screen time. Doctors and healthcare providers have received a lot of education and go to school for a very long time to help make these distinctions for us. And that's perfect. You know, in many ways, we should always do our own research. Number one, like whenever I talk to anybody about just general information literacy, always do your own research, but you got to be very, very careful. And so that leads us to the second question is, how does health literacy relate to overall literacy levels? Good question, because when we think of if somebody is literate or not, we think, can they read? But there's really more to it than that. It's very multifaceted. It also encompasses numeracy skills, and other functions. So about 80% of adult Americans are literate and can read and write. 
and do these basic skills. But only 12% of Americans are actually considered to have good health literacy skills. So that is a really big gap right there. What that tells me as a healthcare provider is that we really need to get to know our patients and audiences so we can provide them the right information at the right time. There's a lot of different risk factors for having low health literacy. And some things are equated with low literacy, general literacy levels, such as living below the poverty level, certain race, ethnicities, certain types of disabilities. If you, English is not your primary language and you're seeking health care in America, that can also affect your health literacy. But we also need to think about our patients that are completely literate. Think about older adults. They can read, they can write, they have all of their skills. But think about how much technology has changed. So they may have a very good understanding, but just the technologies, the new treatments, the medications, there's so much constantly evolving that somebody who has not kept up with medical terminology, medical research, now falls into the category of having a, a low health literacy. And that's perfect. Part of my own health literacy is always keeping up on diet and, and, and what we put in our bodies. And even over my lifetime, the food pyramid has changed. And if somebody remembers back to their youth or years ago, and they're like, well, this is on the food pyramid. Science changes because as science progresses, uh, more things are realized and more things are then accepted versus in the past where some things were obviously of the best of intentions and trying to be supported by science, other things are improved. How do you deal with people who may be stuck in the past or, you know, learned one thing about one aspect of their health literacy and can't quite let it go? Well, that's a great question. I guess I would want to get to the root of their understanding of the issue and find out what it is that they're holding on to. Is it something that works for them? And maybe if that's the case, maybe that's okay. But we also need to find ways we can help them explore other options, other new health information that's out there and find the emotion behind it. Because whether somebody's health literate or not, we can't really expect anybody to fully understand or digest health information if it's a very complex topic or if they're too emotionally charged to do so. And I'm glad you brought in the emotion aspect of it because so much about one's health and maybe how you view yourself or even how they view things like food, it becomes very emotional. And then even sometimes how people trust experts. Some people trust doctors to have all the right answers all the time. It's obviously not realistic. <laughs> and other times people will mistrust doctors so much that they won't even listen to what they say, which is obviously the two polar extremes. That's not a good idea either. And so what can patients do to increase their own health literacy? That's a great question. First, patients need to understand that they may believe that they fully understand what's going on, but that there's always more information out there and they need to ask questions. A lot of patients may be embarrassed to ask questions, but they need to understand that there probably isn't any question a healthcare provider hasn't heard before, or there isn't something more gross, more embarrassing, more private that they haven't heard. So they should never, ever, ever be embarrassed to ask questions. It's their health. We want to encourage them to own it, take charge of it, and ask the questions that they need. I always suggest that patients should repeat back to what their healthcare provider said in their own words. When the doctor says, do you understand? Don't just say yes or no. Say, well, what I'm hearing you telling me is that this new medication for my blood pressure, I need to take it twice a day. 
but I need to check my heart rate before I do that, just so they can kind of close the loop on that communication and make sure they know exactly what they're supposed to do. If someone feels maybe they're going to be receiving a new diagnosis or if they are someone who gets complex treatments, take a family member or a close friend with you. That is so important. They can take notes for you. They're going to hear things that you don't hear, especially if it is an emotionally charged topic or if it's complex. Two ears, sets of ears are always better than one. They can keep a running list of questions about their disease or diagnosis because I'm sure you've done it too. You've had this great conversation with your doctor or your nurse and then you walk out and you're like, oh, I should have asked them this. Keep a list between your next appointment or think about, I have an appointment next week. Here's the things I want to ask. Jot them down. It's going to help your visit go more smoothly and you won't forget anything that you had wanted to ask. If patients' English is not their first language, bring a trusted friend that can help translate or in the hospitals or healthcare settings, you can ask for a translator or interpreter so that you are getting the information in your preferred language. They can ask for written information. Take it home with you because you're not going to absorb everything that your provider tells you in one setting. So if you have those resources that the doctor's given you, you know, one, they're a trusted resource, they've been vetted, you know it's good information, and then you have it to refer back to, you have that to share with your support system so they can read it too. And I think the most important thing is not to believe everything you read or see on social media or on the internet. That's important too. I completely agree. And especially with believing what you read on social media, the internet, et cetera. I mean, the authority of the information you find, you have to take into great consideration. Can't go to just somebody's blog and be like, oh, well, it says at Gary's blog, this is going to happen X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, you should really go to the most trusted sources out there. And I really liked what you said about when you go to the doctor. So just as an example, in my own life, my wife is an occupational therapist. And so she handles most of the medical stuff because she remembers it. Now, if I had to handle it, I would take a piece of paper and I would write everything down (laughs) because my brain just doesn't remember medical terms and medical concepts very well because I'm not medically trained. And if you are lucky enough to know someone or have a spouse who is medical, that can help so much. And just like you said, bring a friend. If whatever you're going through potentially is emotional for you, that can sometimes deafen you to hearing things. And so having that second pair of ears can really, really help. Absolutely. I have a family member who has a medical binder. So she will take her list of questions to her appointment. She will take notes on it. She'll keep that in her binder. She'll print out a summary of her visit from her online portal and any lab results. And she has everything in a binder because as you age and then you have all these specialists. So she, you know, she might see six, seven doctors. So she has everything in one place and she always says, okay, if anything ever happens to me, grab the binder, take the binder to the hospital because it's got everything there. And any care provider that picks up her case can see everything that's happened so far. It's a it's really a great idea. I should follow this advice. It's something I haven't done yet, but I think it's great. No, that actually is really, really good advice. And I think oftentimes when people think of their own health, they think, you know what, I'm good for the most part. And that they push it off, not to be gender cyst, but I think a lot of men push off a lot of their health things, just thinking it's fine. Or if there's something wrong, they're like, well, it doesn't stop me from doing anything. So it's fine. And in many ways, we need to all be very careful of our health because we live in a time where so much is curable. 
or certain medicine that can help us live better lives. But if we wait and wait and wait, there's only so much medicine can do these days. It's very true. So patients getting their annual physical, even if you feel good, get your physical every year because you might not know that, well, it, I need this screening starting at age this and this screening starting at age that. But if you go just see your doctor at least just once a year, they can tell you, hey, it's time for you to have this. It's time for you to have that. We need to start thinking about this. I mean, they're really your care partner. They're really there to help you take care of you. And I completely agree. And today we're speaking with Stacy Malinowski, and we'll be right back after a short break. At American Public University, we believe higher education is not one size fits all. That's why we offer 200 modern programs that build on your knowledge and fit your schedule. Because we believe universities should adapt to the needs of students, not the other way around. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. And we're back with Stacey Malinowski. And so this leads us to our last question is, what can health providers do to ensure they're providing information that patients can understand? That's a very important question. So first, we need to know our patient. We need to know what is their overall health literacy and literacy level. You can have somebody who actually is illiterate but has a very high verbal fluency who is very good at making it through life and, and fooling other people they can read. So we need to know what can they read and what can they actually understand. So we need to provide and have available different types of resources for all of our patients. So they can be age appropriate, culturally appropriate. We need to find out our patients' preferred languages and provide them with health information in their language of their choosing. When we're teaching information, we need to be sure we're speaking slowly and we need to use simple language. If you go in because you keep having heartburn and your doctor tells you, you have to go get an esophagogastroduodenoscopy, you might just shake your head and say, okay, but maybe I should tell you, you know, we're gonna take a thin camera, put you to sleep, insert it into your throat and look down and see what's going on. That might make a little more sense. So the language that we use is very, very important. We need to consider the amount of information that we're teaching our patients. We can't overload them and expect them to retain it. So it's hard. Healthcare providers in an outpatient setting are so busy that they only have so many minutes per patient. You have a new diagnosis. They may throw it all right at you. So we can consider breaking down that information into what we call the chunking method. So let's say I just have diagnosed you with diabetes. What are the most important things that I need you to know today? That's what we need to focus on. And then we need to schedule follow-up to cover the rest. But putting together relevant, the most important and similar information is very, very important. Providing the handout materials especially that have pictures. Pictures are a great way of conveying health information. And you may notice now, if you've looked at your prescription bottles lately, they have symbols on them to help organize the information. And then we need to make sure our patients actually understand what we're telling them. So I'm sure you've been at the doctor and gotten some information. They say, do you understand? Do you have any questions? You know, yes or no questions. We need to be asking open-ended questions. Okay, so we just went over a lot of information. How many times a day are you gonna take your blood pressure medication? Okay, what dietary changes are you gonna make 
as a result of what we talked about today? Or can you tell me what I told you about this test that you have to have? But we've got to assess for their understanding before we send them out the door to make sure that they really are going to follow up and follow up appropriately. And we don't want to inadvertently set them up for any additional harm by sending them out with the wrong or misinterpreted information. And I like that because I'll just say I've been lucky enough that I haven't had really any health issues, <laughs> but I know that people have, and it can be very difficult navigating all that information. And so, you know, really repeating that and and really going over all that information is so important, especially just like you said, each healthcare provider or doctor or PA or NP, or, they only have X number of minutes per patient. But that as a patient, you need to make sure that they're not rushing through you just to get to the next one, because this is your time and this is your life and your health. Yeah, that's a great point. And also considering other sources of information, pharmacists are amazing resources to have. You know, whenever you pick up a prescription, they ask, oh, do you have any questions for the pharmacist? And I, I worked as a, at a pharmacy during nursing school and everybody always said no, but some of these medications are very complex or they're new. Take advantage of the pharmacist, ask them the questions. Another great resource, because the doctors again are busy, are a lot of healthcare systems may have navigators, patient navigators. So especially if you are about to embark on a very complex healthcare journey, maybe such as a diagnosis of cancer or heart failure, having a navigator at the health system that can help explain to you, make sure you're set up for your appointments, they make sure you have your prescriptions and that they're filled. Saying if your healthcare organization has navigators is a great way to extend the support system. And those are all absolutely wonderful uh, suggestions. And for you, is there any one area that you'd recommend that people study themselves? Because health is, it's too big, it's too complex for all of us to become experts. But is there one aspect of like health literacy or, or one's health that you would recommend people take a little more time to learn about? That's a great question. Can I have two answers? Because I have two that I think are very important. So I think the first one is preventative care. Knowing what you should be having done and again, just knowing adults should have checkups every year. You think they stop when you're a kid and, and you're all grown up now. See your doctor every year because they can help keep you on track because those preventative screenings for breast cancer, colon cancer, they now can do screenings for lung cancer for certain high-risk patients. Those are so crucial for catching those oftentimes terminal diseases early. And then the other thing, and I feel like we always go back to this, is diet. Know what is good to put into your body because food can really can help you and heal you and it can harm you just as much. Exactly. And we probably talk about it every single time we, we have a podcast and I talk about it with Dr. Jamila also because diet is so important, diet and your activity level. And it's not that, again, I always say you don't have to become a vegetarian. You can still eat meat and enjoy meat, but just to have a good amount of healthy food going in and especially nutrient rich food. There's a lot of food that is nutrient poor where it's food, but it doesn't do anything for you. And then also just activity level, you know, we all have to figure out how we stay active throughout our lives. And again, it doesn't mean that you're going to be doing CrossFit and that you're an extreme athlete, nothing at all, but to make sure that you're moving and you're challenging your body and especially weight training. Everybody should do a certain amount of weight training because, you know, really ensuring that your muscles are strong, besides your heart health, of course, for, with a certain amount of cardio, is so important. It is. It helps us age gracefully and helps extend our health and our longevity 
Americans are living a really long time, but do you want to be 90 with a great quality of life or do you want to be 90 and, and not so much because you haven't taken care of your body along the way? But yeah, strength training is so important as part of setting your body up for long-term success. Exactly. And, and just like you said, so many of us are living a long time and the average age is 78, 80, depending on your gender. We in the U.S. do not have the longest age average as our other countries. And when you look at American culture, there's there's so much that's stressful about the work culture, driving and commuting, the types of food that are available, I should say, to people at times, the easy food that's available. So there's a lot of things that go against living a healthy life, if that makes sense, if you just go along with what is presented to you. And that's why, like you said, health literacy is so important because it's like it's making those right choices. Like if you have a full day and you're driving, what are you going to pick up to eat? It's very easy just to pick up, say, a sandwich or a burger. And if you do that too many times, that's a lot of sodium. That's a lot of high fat that you're putting into your body, which again, if you do that every once in a while, totally fine. But if you do that more often than not, well, it'll start taking a toll. I agree. There's cumulative effects of all the choices that we make, you know, the positive ones and the negative ones. So you've got to make that next best choice for you. And so having a good health literacy level and help you understand, you know, what's that next best choice that I could make for what I'm going to put in my mouth, what I'm going to do for my exercise today, or even just getting up and doing the exercise, whatever it might be. So yeah, I agree with you 100%. Exactly. And so absolutely wonderful conversation. Any final words, Stacey? If I could stress anything, it's that just don't ever be afraid to take charge of your own health and to ask questions, ask about yourself, ask for your loved ones, because you are going to be your own best advocate. And to do so, you have to have all the knowledge possible. So don't be scared to ask questions. There's nothing that we haven't heard before. Perfect. And excellent final words. And today we're speaking with Stacey Malinowski, Assistant Dean in the School of Health Sciences about health literacy. And of course, my name is Dr. Barry Mercer, and thank you for listening. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU. American Public University.